In this series from Advanced Biblical Foundations, the Kingdom of God provides believers with an understanding on how to cooperate with God's kingdom while on earth. Welcome to the Kingdom of God, our series we've been doing on walking through the, uh, the Gospel of Matthew. And I just want to encourage you that if you're watching these to yourself, go back and read through Matthew and see how many times the kingdom of heaven, that's what Matthew uses, Luke uses the Matthew, uh, kingdom of God. But look and see how much there's spoken about the kingdom of heaven. And it's such an important issue. We started just to, let me do a quick review. Matthew 4.17 says, From this time forward, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So again, it, it's a lifestyle of repentance, of changing the way you think. And why? Because the kingdom is here. He brought his rule and reign with him. So everything Jesus did, he preached and taught the kingdom. He demonstrated the kingdom. And we looked at, we walked through the various verses, looked at Matthew chapter 5 through 7, just talking about the Sermon on the Mount. Everything there is about the kingdom. And what he's saying is, is look, in the kingdom, I'm after your heart. Yeah, he wants our actions to, to line up with that too, but everything is about the heart. He says, I'm interested in your heart. I'll, I want your heart to come after me. I want it to pursue me. Um, he's given everything for us, and he wants us to receive him, but he also wants us to reciprocate to love him back. We spent a little time looking at the, what we call the Lord's Prayer out of Matthew chapter 6. And again, the prayer, we were trying to make a point, is that his prayer was, Lord, he said to pray this way, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. God's plan from the very beginning was for us to represent him to, to bring forth his rule and reign on earth. The problem is not in heaven. God's not trying to get us to heaven. He's trying to get us to get his kingdom, his rule, his reign to operate here on earth. That was God's plan for, for Adam. They were to steward the earth. And, of course, they didn't do that, and, and sin entered in. But God hadn't changed his, his mind or his plan. So last Adam, Jesus, came, and he lived and died for us to put us back into relationship with Father and to, again, authorize us to represent him on earth. And so that's why we're supposed to pray that way. We're supposed to pray that his kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth. We're not praying for peace and safety. We're not praying to get out of here. We're praying to, to release his rule and reign. Why? Because it's not ruling and reigning in, in the way it should be. Uh, one of the points we've been making is that, listen, we live in this period of time between the resurrection and his return. That's called the church age or the last days. But his kingdom is here. His rule and reign is already operating. So the age to come that ultimately will be no problems at all, it's already here. It's spiritual. It, it's not operating in the natural. So he wants us to pull it down, pray it down, live it, so we can begin to express his rule and reign here on earth. We, the uh, last session, we talked about Matthew 6, 19 through 34, talking about money. Money and handling his money is extremely important because it's, it's a spiritual issue. 
we say, well, wait a minute, money, I've got money to spend and I've got bills to pay. But it's still a spiritual issue. And that's why he says, look, you can't serve God and mammon. He ties that to a spiritual entity. And he says, the fruit of, you know, if we're not handling it properly is going to be anxiety, worry. We're going to worry about everything. But he says, here's what you need to do. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And basically all the things that you need, they're going to be added to you. Because he's a covenant-keeping God who has promised to take care of his sons and his daughters. So that's just a little quick review. In this session, we're going to continue to walk through the book of Matthew. And I want us to go to uh, chapter 8. Now let me, uh, let me start over. I want us to repeat a, um, Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. Let me go there. Jesus went about all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sicknesses and kinds of disease among the people. Let me just stop there and make a comment. Every time that Jesus preached and taught, he taught about the gospel of the kingdom. He is talking about the good news that, that the king has come. His name is Jesus, by the way. The king has come and he has brought his kingdom, his rulership with him. You cannot, and we're going to see this as we go through, especially from Matthew, we're going to look at Matthew 8, 9, and 10 chapters. You can't separate the proclamation of the gospel of the kingdom without seeing also the accompanying signs and wonders that followed with it. There is always the proclamation of his kingdom, his rulership, and the display of it in healing, casting out demons, and bringing forth his rule and reign on earth. Uh, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm going to go to a verse here that, that you don't have to look up. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. It says, the kingdom of God is not in word, but it's in power. So the kingdom is not just something to understand. It's not just an intellectual uh, awareness. Okay, I understand that. No, the kingdom of God is in power. And it's available to us today. So what we've been talking about, we're walking through Matthew. Now go to chapter 8. Chapter 8, verse 1, it says that when he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him, and behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus put his hand and touched him, put out his hand and touched him, and said, I'm willing, be cleansed. Immediately the leper was cleansed. Man, what an amazing story. Um. We don't have time to look at each one of these in detail, but just look at, think about this. This leper, in that day and time, leprosy was the most feared because there was no solution to it. There was no cure for leprosy. Uh, lepers had to be separated, quarantined, and they were not supposed to be out there in the public. So when this leper comes to Jesus, he says, if you're willing, uh, we, that's the question we have today. Are you willing, Lord, to heal me? Are you willing? Do you want to? Remember, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Um, I'm not here to do my own will. I'm here to do the will of him who sent me. So it's really important question. He said, you know, if you're willing, he said, I am. There was never a hesitation on Jesus' part to heal. Now, he didn't heal everybody, but he healed everyone who came to him. But the point is, is that he reached out his hand and touched him. I mean, wow. You know, we've heard it spoken before that in the Old Testament, that if you touch something dead, you had to be moved away. And I mean, literally, for, there were all kinds of ceremonial things you had to do to be clean. 
But the point was, in the Old Testament time, if you touched something that was bad or dead, it contaminated you. But when Jesus comes and his kingdom comes, it's the other way around. He is the source of life. When he touches something dead, it comes to life. So we don't need to be afraid of things. We need to recognize that you're carriers of the kingdom. We get to release his power. Verses 5 through verse 13 is where Jesus heals the centurion, uh, the centurion serpent, uh, servant, actually. And he, uh, he said, Lord, my servant is at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And she said to him, I'll come and heal him. And then the centurion, this is verse 8, said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. To another, come, and he comes. And to another, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I've not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from the east and west and will all sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. They will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And he told the centurion, go your way. As you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Amazing story. Centurion's a, a ruler of over 100 soldiers. And what he basically is saying is, he said, when he saw Jesus, his servant's sick. So he's saying, hey, just speak a word because I'm a man under authority too. He understood authority. Jesus, he, he didn't know what authority Jesus was under. All he knew was that whatever he was under, sicknesses and diseases left. And that's what Jesus marvels at. He says, wow, what great faith you have. I don't know how great faith he had. He just saw and recognized and understood authority. He said, I'm a man under authority. means he was under his supervisors, whoever he was under, um, because he was properly related to that authority structure, he spoke to those under him and they obeyed. And so he saw Jesus. He said, we're obviously under whatever authority structure you're under because when you speak, things happen. And so it's very, very important for us. We'll probably come back and talk a little bit more about this issue of authority. But the point is, is that, wow, God has given us authority to represent him on earth. Let's continue on in this chapter, verse 14. So now when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with a fever. And so he touched her hand and the fever left her. And she arose and served them. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Uh, that's a quote out of Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 says that by his stripes we are healed. This, by the Spirit, is saying, look, that, that passage in Isaiah 53 is clearly about Jesus. And that's what he's saying. Look, I healed the sick and cast out demons so that the prophecy of Isaiah would be fulfilled. And that's so important for us because people say, well, you know, that passage could be spiritual healing. Yes, it, but it's also physical healing. It's everything. Jesus doesn't come just to do one dimension. Um, he does above and beyond whatever we can ask or think. And that's one of the things that's so important for us to understand that, well, he came and he healed the sick. 
Look at verse 23. We're just going to walk through these quickly. He got in a boat, the disciples followed him, suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, and the boat was covered with waves, but he was asleep. His disciples came to him and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're perishing. And he said to them, why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he rose, rebuked the wind and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, who can this be? Even the winds and the sea obey him. That's an interesting story. And you think about this. These guys were, uh, some of these were professional sailors, fishermen. I mean, they've been on the water a lot. Though, so you put yourself in this position, if they thought that they were perishing, it had to be a pretty strong storm. I mean, that's not just your normal little wind in your boat being washed around. I mean, they were, they fished. They were out there. They recognized that this was a very dangerous storm, so they were going to perish. Again, what he did, he just rebuked it. And he said, and there was a great calm. Again, Jesus is demonstrating his kingdom. He's demonstrating his rule and his reign. You'll see, if you go through and read this, especially read the Matthew account or the Luke account, you're going to see that no place, no time, was there anything that Jesus wasn't already over. Look at verse 28. It says, when he had come to the other side, the country, the, the Gadarene there has met him two demon-possessed men. Again, some of these accounts, if you read it, others it may say one. They were coming out of the tombs exceedingly fierce so that no one could pass the way. And suddenly they cried out saying, what have we to do with you, Jesus, you son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? And a good way off from them, there was a herd of, of many swine feeding. So the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, permit us to go away into the herd of swine. He said to them, Go. And when they come out, they went into the herd of swine, and suddenly the whole herd of swine ran violently down the steep uh, place into the sea and perished in the water. Those who, who kept them fled and went away into the city and told everything, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. The whole city came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they begged him to depart from their region. Again, all these stories are put in here. If you think about this, the Holy Spirit has recorded exactly what he wanted us to read and to communicate throughout the ages. So what we're talking about here is that when Jesus shows up, he is demonstrating his rule and reign. Not only did he preach and teach the kingdom, but he demonstrated his superiority in every realm. Uh, chapter 9, it says that he, um, we have a paralyzed person. Uh, he heals him. And then in verse 12 of chapter 9, this is when Jesus heard, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go learn what this meaning, what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. He comes to, to extend mercy. He comes to extend compassion. He, he comes to extend kindness. Why? Because he realized we were like sheep without a shepherd. Uh, he realized our condition. And what Jesus came to do was to, to set us free from that. Uh, verse 18 of chapter 9 says, When he spoke these things, behold, a ruler came and worshipped him, saying, My daughter has just died, and come and lay your hand on her, she will live. 
And Jesus arose and followed him, those disciples. And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. She said to herself, if only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. Jesus turned around and when he saw her, he said, be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. Jesus came into the ruler's house, saw the flute players and the noisy crowd waiting. He wailing. He said to them, make room for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. Now, again, I love, I love the comments we have here. In John's uh, passage, when Jesus goes to Lazarus, he says he's sleeping. And um, it's, it's, again, perspective. His perspective was when, when we die, he calls it sleeping. Uh, for his disciples in John, they said, well, if he's sleeping, he'll, get, he'll, he'll wake up. And Jesus said, okay, for you guys, he's dead. So they, this girl was dead. So from our perspective, looking at her, she's dead. From God's perspective, she's just sleeping. She's, you know, and in this particular case, he said when the crowd was put out, he went in and took her by hand, and the girl arose, and a report of this went out into all the land. Verse 27, when Jesus departed from there, he saw two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes and saying, According to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus suddenly warned them, saying, See that you don't tell anybody or let no one know it. When they had departed, and they spread the news about him in all the country. I love that. Um, Jesus tells them not to tell, and then they tell everybody. But I, again, if you're blind and you could see, you'd probably tell everybody also. Verse 32 is that they went out, behold, they brought to him a man mute and demon-possessed. And when his demon was cast out, the mute spoke, and the multitudes marveled, saying, I've never seen anything like this in Israel. But the Pharisees said, he cast out demons by the ruler of demons. Now, I'm going to stop here for just a moment. All I've done is just walk through the scenario. So follow with me. Jesus starts off, he gets water baptized. The Father comes upon him. And then it says, from this time forward, he preached repent for the kingdom of heaven's at hand. He immediately went out preaching and teaching the gospel of the kingdom. He immediately tells what this looks like as his big sermon on the mount. How does it play out? We're praying for his kingdom, his rule and reign to come on earth as it is in heaven. He tells us how to operate in it. And then he says, okay, now I'm just going to demonstrate. And so chapters 8 and 9 you just see miracle after miracle after healing. He steals the storm. I mean, he blind eyes, the mute speak. Uh, I mean, it's just all these things. He is making it very clear that when he proclaims and teaches the gospel of the kingdom and not just the gospel of salvation, which we talked about in previous sessions, he's talking about his rule and reign. He is demonstrating the kingdom. That's what he's doing. Now in verse 35, it said, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Again, the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom of God is always accompanied with power. It always accompanies with healing, deliverance, whatever. Again, because he's proclaiming the good news that his rule and reign is here. 
Now again, we have a tendency to want to put this off into another time when Jesus returns. No, it's here now. But it's not in the fullness that it's going to be someday. So in the meantime, we've got to access that. How do we access that? Well, by faith. You have to believe. You see, by your faith, you've been healed. Verse 36 says, When he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. He said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The key to the whole thing was his compassion. His compassion that he loved so much and so deeply that he is wanting to set people free. Jesus Christ, it says in Hebrews, is the same yesterday, today, and forever he doesn't change. Therefore, it's still his heart and compassion to see us, his sons and daughters, set free. Not set free from problems, because again, we're here in a world that is still marred by sin and sickness and death and the devil. But he wants us to represent him and helping people get free. That's what he did. So my point here in the closing, I'll come to chapter 10. He said, look, it, right before that, he said, look, there's not a problem with the harvest. The fields are ripened to harvest. If he were here standing here today, he would say the same thing. The fields are ripened to harvest. There are people dying and that need the truth. The problem is not with the harvest. The problem is they don't have enough laborers. I don't have enough people that will preach the gospel of the kingdom and demonstrate the kingdom. So chapter 10 comes, and he, he said he called his 12 disciples to him. He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases. Verse 7, as you go preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you have received, freely give. So again, his point, I'm, point I'm making in this session is that the kingdom, the proclamation of the kingdom is always accompanied with power, always. And what God is, hadn't changed his mind. He still wants us to be a people that operate under him. It's not like, quick, I can do whatever I want to do, whatever I want to do it. Jesus didn't do that. He modeled for us, how do you live in relationship to Father, empowered by the Holy Spirit, doing his will? What was his will? Preaching the gospel of the kingdom and setting people free. So the disciples were that. Uh, in chapter 10 of Luke, you have he sent out 70 others. And then let me, I'm just going to turn to the very end of Mark in the commissioning. We know the commission in Matthew, go and make disciples of all nations. In chapter 16 of Mark, verse 15, he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then after the Lord has spoken to them, he was received up into heaven, and he sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the word through the accompanying signs. That's my point here, is that the kingdom of God, the proclamation, the, this pr pronouncement is good news. It's good news. The king has come. 
Jesus. He's brought his rule and reign with him. He is saying, now what I want you to do is that I want you to not only receive me, receive my kingdom, but I want you to be one of those laborers that goes out and does the same thing. What? Make disciples. Preach the gospel. Let the accompanying signs and wonders follow the proclamation of the good news. So the declaration that the king has come, he has brought his rule and reign with him, it's available to us today. You can go through and read the book of Acts, which you'll see is the same thing. They preached the gospel of the kingdom, and there were signs and wonders following. We're not supposed to chase after signs and wonders. We're supposed to proclaim the king and his kingdom. So it's important for us to recognize that I'm not, looking, I'm not chasing after signs and wonders. What I'm chasing after is Jesus. I, I want to be like him. I want, I want to let his rule and reign come into my life. How does it operate? It starts right here. So I've got to let his rule and reign come into my life. I need a heart of compassion for others. And as I allow his rule and reign to come into me, I'll release that same thing to the world around me. I don't have to save the world. I just need to be light and salt to those in my family, loved ones, whoever I'm in contact with, to be the expression of the kingdom, a declaration of what Jesus has already done. And I need to expect these signs and wonders, healing and deliverance to be released. So what I want to do, I want to pray for us. I want to pray that God would help us to understand that it's not just an intellectual thing. The kingdom of God is not in word, it is in power. So Father, we love you and we bless you and we thank you that, wow, we just thank you that you would allow us to represent you. So I pray, Lord, that not only would the truth prevail in our lives and that we would appropriate your kingdom into our own lives, but I pray, Lord, we'd have the same heart of compassion that you did. That we would love one another. You'd help us, Lord, to be dispensers of your rule and reign, not only to ourselves, said freely you've received, freely you give, but to those around us. Lord, help us to really make a difference in this world. Help us to represent you and to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. I pray, Lord, for everyone watches this. Lord, we begin to see the sick healed. We begin to see your rule and reign released right here on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we love you, we bless you, and we just thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this timely message. Pastor Terry and Susan Moore had a life-changing encounter with the Lord in August of 1982. They opened their home to build a Bible study, which turned into Sojourn Church now located in Carrollton, Texas. They've never been the same and hope you connect with Christ in the same way. For more, connect to advancedbiblicalfoundations.org.